Good morning, and here is your uh, Genesis morning notes for um, uh, April 14th, the day before tax day. Mike Williams here. Uh, glad you can make it. Um, just going to run down a couple ideas. As you've seen in the first quarter of the year, uh, we were flat for all uh, intents and purposes. Uh, I like to start out with something funny when I can. Let me uh, read you a quote from Louis Rukeyser, poor guy he's passed on, but what a great guy. Um, and here's the quote. The stock market is going to fluctuate. Sometimes it will fluck down. Other times it will fluck up. Now try to say that about uh, 10 times real fast and you'll, uh, you'll get why I think it was pretty funny. Uh, anyway, so here we are, a um, couple of weeks ago, the first quarter ended. It's been a boring walk in quicksand since about November of last year. We've got about six or seven months now where the market has effectively traded in about a 3% trade range, uh, up or down from zero change. Uh, and we ended at that zero line. Uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average finished the quarter down 0.26%, one quarter of 1%, while the S&P, the broader market, rose 0.44, less than half of a percent. Now, the mid caps and small caps did a little better. Now, the important part about this, though, is something very similar happened at the start of 2014 when the Dow fell three quarters of a percent and the S&P rose just a bit over one percent in the first quarter of last year. Uh, those small changes, however, uh, masked greater volatility when measured by months. Um, in 2015, the Dow fell 3.7% in January, this January. It roared back 5.6% in February, and then it fell 1.7% in March. Seemed to be almost like an instant replay of the opening quarter of last year, because last year the Dow fell 3.6%. In January, it rose 4.3% in February, and then it rose just a little bit more in March. Um, you know, as Yogi Berra was fond of saying, it sounds like deja vu all over again. Uh, the similarities, interestingly enough, continue. Last year, there were fears about shrinking economic growth due to what? A tough winter. And here we are, finishing up three months of pretty lackluster economic data, uh, and in fact, causing the same fears. But interestingly enough, last quarter, last year, sorry, last year in the first quarter, the GDP fell 2.1%. Uh, it terrified everybody on Wall Street. Everybody was suddenly talking recession and the Fed was boxed in. And I mean, we tend to forget all these things, but if you go back a year ago, you'll find that we were just as afraid then as we are now. And of course, prices are up a, a good deal further. Uh, last year at this time, there were huge debates about whether the Federal Reserve would raise rates or not. Remember, they were going to wait until 2015. Uh, there were concerns about a slowing Europe and tepid emerging markets. Concerns about a slowdown in first quarter earnings outlook also arose. In other words, everything we're watching today happened last year, about this same time. The biggest changes over the last 12 months are the rise of the U.S. dollar and the corresponding fall in the price of oil, along with other commodities, pretty much across the board. 
While that trend surely took a bite out of the energy sector profits, as we had been expressing to clients for months in advance, so we weren't really exposed to energy, those lower oil prices tend to boost consumer confidence and after a while, consumer spending. Now, of course, all the experts are telling us, oh, yeah, but they're not immediately going out and spending that gas pump savings. Look, history shows that big positive moves in the U.S. dollar and declines in oil prices tend to have a disproportionately negative effect on S&P earnings estimates initially. Initially, meaning the knee-jerk reaction is the initial reaction. But that these effects actually subsequently are reversed. What, what does that mean? That means that while the energy sector is going to lose momentum and have to restructure and get more effective, which they will, it'll take a few quarters, what, what's being missed right now is that history shows that the rest of those sectors that benefit from all those lower input costs eventually take up for that headwind that's felt in earnings. So here's the question. Could we see the same positive effect this year? We think so. Uh, so far, we've had a wave of negative warnings from company management and analysts. In the first quarter, there have been about five times as many instances of negative guidance as positive guidance. Analysts have also turned more negative. We talked about that yesterday in a previous podcast. From October through mid-March of this year, October of last year to mid-March this year, forward earnings estimates for the S&P have fallen by 5%, actually a little bit more. That's the biggest decline since the Great Recession. With all the downbeat talk of earnings and estimates and managers issuing guidance, you'd have to say that stocks have done darn well to, to actually rise any this year. Last year, the economy and corporate earnings turned on a dime between first and second quarters. Listen to this. In 2014, real GDP declined 2.1% in the first quarter and then rose 4.6% and 5% in the next two quarters with a modest 2.2% gain in the fourth quarter. The full year GDP gain was 2.4%. Now keep in mind, the full year GDP gain of 2.4% was after that first quarter decline of 2.1%. So it's a pretty good rebound. Corporate profit growth roughly followed GDP in 2014. Something similar happened in 2011. First quarter GDP fell 1.5%, but the next three quarters were positive, capped by a 4.6% gain in the fourth quarter, and it ended with a 1.7% gain for the full year of 2011. Now, I would tell you that you ought to look back at 2011 and see where prices were. They were significantly lower than they are now. So that fear as well was sort of overblown. Remember, we were afraid in 2011 that we were never going to escape with velocity, as they called it, the 2009 collapse. Now, history could repeat. Over the last two weeks, analysts have been revising their S&P earnings up a tad bit from the mid-March trough. Consensus expectation for energy sector earnings in the first quarter are down a whopping 63%. 
So think about that for a second. If you take that negative cloud away, the rest of the market could actually deliver positive earnings. We just had JP Morgan knock everyone's socks off this morning. Alcoa kicked it off with a beat. Morgan Stanley has postulated that management guidance has downplayed first quarter results so far that positive surprises are now likely. So we're hearing that same chiming in now. Even with a bad quarter, analysts still forecast over $120 of earnings for S&P 500 companies in 2015. That's up almost 3% from 2014. And next year, after we adjust to the headwind of this collapse of energy, almost $135 in earnings, which is a big 10 plus percent bump. Now, why is that important? Because pretty soon it's going to be apparent that we're looking at next year's earnings. People are going to push away this year and they're going to say, oh, well, that's affected by energy. But here's the thing. M&A, mergers and acquisitions, along with massive buybacks, could continue to deliver profits. And they could be very surprising, just like they've been the last few years. Think about this for a second. We have had massive buyouts for significant premiums in the last month and a half, some in the last week, several big ones. One example, for example, PetSmart. This was a stock that was just hated a year ago. A year ago, it was an unloved little puppy, as they say, the fifth worst performer among retails in the S&P in the first half of 2014. Now, that was only nine months ago. It was the fifth worst performer. 24 of the 25 analysts that followed the company at the time gave it a hold rating, and one had a sell. Shares were $55 last May, and in June, they only got back up to $59.80. Here's the kicker, though. $83 was the buyout. $83. Bucks. After no one thought it was a buy. $83. Bucks. Not a bad deal in less than a year, right? Here's some examples from last week. Milan bid $28.9 billion for Perigo. We had Perigo in the fund we managed. Royal Dutch Shell bought BG Group. The reaction to the collapse in prices. Just the beginning of the kind of merger activity that's going to unfold in energy to make them efficient again. They bought BG Group for $70 billion. And under the headlines, private equity firms, along with Canada's pension plan, bought Informatica, symbol I-N-F-A, for $5.3 billion. It's an enterprise software provider in California. Here's the thing. So far this year, 15 deals have been announced that are over $10 billion. That's the highest number of mega deals on record. Prior to the Shell deal, the biggest merger was H.J. Hines and Kraft Foods. Remember, they were taken into a $46 billion deal. Uh, Warren Buffett was part of that, as you might recall in our notes. Another recent mega deal was uh, Hutchinson Wampoa was taken over for $40 billion. Here's the bottom line. These things tend to repeat themselves in cycles. We're probably on the cusp of some surprises now that we've beaten ourselves up so badly about fears of depressed earnings. The biggest surprise this year might be the fact that ultra-low interest rates could spur enough mergers, 
buyouts and share buybacks to A, lower the number of available shares on the big board, and B, reduce the volume of names to choose from. Think about it. Buybacks generate rising earnings per share, even if total earnings are flat, while mergers take shares away. In other words, they shorten the pool. They thin the pool of potential choices out. Look, if you make a pool of items people want to buy smaller, then the price rise because demand will continue to push those prices up, but they have fewer things to choose from. In the meantime, those who hold takeover target stocks can still reap significant profits. So again, when everyone around you is kind of afraid, when everyone's focused on the bad news, remember what we always say. It's not about now, it's about next. Now is already priced in. Reacting to now is a wasted effort. Patience and discipline help us focus on what's next. So the kind of questions we want to ask ourselves are, look, what will happen after this? What will happen after all those benefits from lower energy get through the system? What will happen after consumers start beefing up their spending a little with extra money from not buying expensive gasoline? What will happen after those buybacks? What will happen after those buybacks of stocks and the reduced pool of stocks to buy? Well, our guess is not what everybody thinks. And right now, everybody thinks, eh, it's over, we're done, we're rolling over, soon to crash again. A, a pall is setting over the market. And uh, while it may chop and while it may correct a little bit, there are massive amounts of money that have not participated. So we would suggest we stay patient and focused and we take advantage of the headwinds in the calendar ahead. I'd love to see people get nervous about earnings. I'd love to see them sell in May and go away. I'd love to see them go to the beach during the summer and not pay attention to the market because that's where we get some of our best deals. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great day, and I hope this has added some value for you and yours. Have a good one.